I'm Jared Waitley. Here's a snapshot of Thursday, November 9. Peter Lawler on the legacy of the retiring Meg Lanning. Meg Lanning, huge figure in Australian women's cricket, perhaps our most successful female cricketer. Seven World Cups, Jared. She's been captain since she was 2000, since 2014 when she was a young girl. And she's just run out of petrol. And I think we've sus- suspected this for some time. Meg's had a couple of extended breaks from the game. And my reading on it is she just, she's looked ahead. There's a tour of India coming up. There's a test match. There's uh, ODIs and T20s. She doesn't have it in her to go. So um, that's the end of a fantastic career. Shannon Gill picked the innings that Glenn Maxwell's double century sits alongside. I think initially when, when you start to think and say this could be the best, you had to, to think, what was, my, what was the last thing that I thought was the best? And I, for me, I'd probably go with Ricky Ponting's 140 in the 2003 World Cup. Oh, that yeah, that was, one. to me... In the final. In the, yeah, in yeah. the World Cup final. That that was as good as batting could be. But I, I, I think there's about seven in the conversation. And I think they all relate to matches that are, were either part of World Cups, which were really important, or matches that were played in the old World Series Cup, which had our attention. So I've got um, the Michael Bevan four off the, the final ball on New Year's Day in Sydney against the West Indies in 96. I've got uh, back to that Ricky Ponting World Cup. Andrew Simons made 143 in that World Cup in the first match, which was a, you know, a, a, an ordinary situation and a guy whose career had was sputtering at best um, that made his career. Adam Gilchrist's 2007 World Cup, remember when he put the squash ball in his glove and decided to hit the ball as much as he could, which he did most times anyway, yep. and, and made a huge score. And I've even got um, a bit of an old favourite, uh, Dean Jones made 145, which off 136 balls, which sounds kind of almost lame in this in this era at the Gabba um, against England uh, uh, in 1990, which was uh, at the time seemed like, oh, what can can batting get any better than this? Yep. And it was the highest one day score for Australia. All those sorts of things. Those, those are the sort of innings that I'm thinking of. Geelong AFLW coach Dan Lowther ahead of an elimination final against Essendon. Uh, we don't want to talk about it too much, Jerry. We're, we're <laughs> kind of looking forward, but um, but no, a lot, a lot of lessons learned that middle part of the season for us. Uh, it was a trip to Warrnambool, which um, you know we, we had a lot going on, and uh, I suppose our focus was to to win the game. But we, we were distracted by a few things, and that's not taking away anything from the Bombers. We expected to win that game, so yeah, the girls are really really confident to go into this week to. To, to get some redemption, I suppose, but the last two or three weeks for us has been a, been a spike in performance. So we just went up for the contest um, against uh, the Bombers uh, in round six. So they were tougher, they were faster, they were stronger. Um, they're just elements we've, we've tried to improve over the last month. So, um, yeah, it'll be a big test on the weekend for us. Gary Crisp shared his analytical approach to racing that resulted in him owning Amazonian Lass in the Oaks. Uh, well, basically, over the years, you know, that with uh, you know, worked with Timeform for 25 years, so I believe in in the process, and uh, we do all the ratings for Timeform in the Southern Hemisphere and through Japan and, and Asia and, and that sort of place. But over the years, I've, I've been travelling around and talking to the major studs uh, globally. They actually use our time form ratings in in their process of selecting brood mares and to go to certain stallions. So. 
I thought, well, this is sort of something that perhaps I could actually have a look at when I have a bit more time on the hand. So I set about developing my own model based around time form ratings. I'm not a breeding buff by any stretch of the imagination, but I approach it from the lens of using time form ratings and, and how uh, the progeny of different stallions uh, rate with regards to male and female uh, progeny. There is a difference. Uh, and also the, the production or, or the produce that me has produced. And I found a lot of interesting trends. So putting all that together, into a model, I then put that over the top of uh, fillies that, are, that, that I'm interested in uh, purchasing and, and that's the way I've done it and I've invested in quite a few. Uh, North Star Lass was uh, my first foray into that process and she was very successful for us and, uh, and Amazonian Lass was one of another group that, that, that I've gone into. So uh, yeah, so for me it's quite satisfying that, that the process does seem to work and does validate what the major studs around the world are doing as well and I know it works because they keep taking our figures and, and put it through their own analysis. So, so yeah, it's a, a totally different process, I suppose, of coming up with, uh, you know, with the fillies that I want to invest in. I don't get them all right. I don't expect to, but you know, I'm having a lot of fun along the way. Oh, I love this. It's like David King taking the formulas of champion data and applying them to the teams and then seeing what it looks like when they play. And carryover champion Hamish McLaughlin gave us his Oaks trifecta. Well, I've got it down to two winners. And I think the obvious is Sardozzi, but I love the run of Athelflaed. So I'm putting Athelflaed and Sardozzi together to win with a slight leaning towards a longer-priced horse. And I do like the fact that she's been backed reasonably hard. I hope that Mark Zara has sobered up since Tuesday and can actually find his way around <laughs> the course, which I'm told isn't an absolute certainty. <laughs> so eight from two, two from eight. And then we're going to do the same second, third, and fourth. So the two gay horses get thrown in. They're one and three. Top Tropical Squall and Amazonian Lass who beat Daisy on the weekend. So one, two, and three. Seven, which is Vaselina of uh, Ollie. A sort of emotional plus, I think, the Browns can train with Ethel Flade. And then a bit of value. And I'd be surprised if it doesn't run well, but Ethel Maud. So numbers are eight and two to win from one, two, three, seven, eight, and ten. And that's just a snapshot. The full program and all interviews are available through the Waitley podcast. Subscribe at sen.com.au.